Welcome to the Father's Heart with Tom Clark, better known as Papa Tom. Good morning, this is Papa Tom at the Father's Heart Talk Show. And I have with me another time, uh, second time actually, with Pastor Devin O'Neill. And uh, we're going to be talking about the subject of offense (laughs) and how the devil uses offense to separate us and to uh, promote his kingdom, I shouldn't even call it the kingdom, the realm of darkness, not a kingdom, uh, against the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of our God. So uh, offenses are used in the process of things. Uh, Devin has had some uh, recent experiences the last time we spoke that any human being would probably be set back and um, certainly could be very easily offended, but he continues to do straight on the things that God has put on his heart and uh, the uh, objectives that he has, following his calling and destiny, and following the uh, the path that God has had him on from uh, the Pacific Northwest all the way through to Miami, Salem, Oregon, to Miami, Florida. And uh, with that as a background, and we're going to be talking about offenses, I want to talk, uh, turn it over to Devin to share his heart with our audience about what he's doing with the Trail of Joy uh, tour. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Um, well, um, the Trail of Joy tour is a national tent revival tour that's meant to uh, displace principalities and occupy the land for Jesus Christ to reverse the curse on our land. Uh, one of the main things that we're dealing with is offense. This is what God told us. He said, uh, to heal the land, you must first heal the man. And so God talked to us extensively about offense and how that gets roots in people's hearts. If you look in the book of Genesis, right at the beginning, the fall of man, the devil comes and talks to Eve and says, did God say don't eat the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden? He said, yeah, God said the day we eat it, we will surely die. And what God was talking about was a separation from God, you know, because it don't it not only separates us from each other, but offense separates us from God, actually, because God is love and love keeps no record of wrongs. And so Eve replies, yeah, God did say that. And then uh, the devil tells her, well, God knows the day you eat, uh, you're going to be like God. You should surely not die. And so in that moment, Eve believes the lie of the enemy, and then he takes her captive to do his will. And that's actually how demonic forces work on planet Earth. It's actually illegal for anybody actually to operate on planet earth without a body because God gave uh, authority uh, to man. He said, uh, subdue the earth, take dominion over it and rule over it. And he gave that to man. And because God is holy, he can't take that back. And so the devil was literally trying to get the authority that was on earth. And so uh, God spoke to us about uh, the trail of joy tour. He told us in 2021 in the church where the late prophet Bob Jones is buried, He said, I'm going to turn the trail of tears into the trail of joy. And uh, he said, if you're going to do that, you have to love the Native American nations and your neighboring churches as Christ loved you. You see, because why do we have tears? Because we get hurt, right? When people act selfishly towards us, we'll get hurt. And then the, the danger of that in that moment that we would try to fight against injustice. But when we do that, we can become unjust in our own fight. As soon as we take a record of wrongs in our heart, because God commands us to love and love keeps no record of wrongs, it actually will give access to the enemy. 
Uh, John Devere taught a, a course. It's called The Bait of Satan. Very good um, book. And that's, in essence, what the devil tries to do to us is he'll throw an accusation out there. If you take that accusation, <clears throat> there's a hook in it, and it's going to actually, he's a fisherman. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're, we're called to be fishermen also. So Papa Tom, he talked about something happened recently, and I, I'll just talk about that. Um, on this tour, you know, we are intimately acquainted with the danger of offense and taking offense and the damage that it can do uh, in our own lives. Because, you know, when you take a record of wrongs in your heart, it's it's really like drinking poison and, it's, and thinking it's going to kill someone else. And so our knowledge, my knowledge of that and understanding how it will separate you from God, it really brought me to this time that I just went through. Uh, in our last revival, my daughter, 29 years old, Jordan Michaela Neal, uh, she passed away. And uh, man, it, it, it really was the hardest thing that we ever went through. Um, but I purposed in my mind that, you know, I was not going to let the devil bring that accusation in my life and for that to harden my heart and push me away from God. Instead, I asked God, I said, God, I don't want this to push me away from you because I know the dangers of it. I I said, will you pull me in to the fellowship of sharing in your sufferings? I had a prophet friend of mine, his name's Scott Neri. He, he, uh, I I called him up just for some uh, wisdom in the moment. And he said, uh, submit to God's love for your daughter and man I just let God pull me deep in to uh, you know what he knew about my daughter Mm -hmm. the intimate things that I didn't even know sure and I saw God bring me so deep into something the things that I wasn't even aware of he began to teach me and show me where she was at spiritually and uh, I really believe through this whole circumstance that I've been transformed you know, I purposed in my heart. I said I wasn't going to let someone else do her funeral. You know, because it's my daughter. I'm like, there's not nobody else going to do a funeral that's going to be to the level that it should be to celebrate the life of my daughter. Sure. And uh, and so it was a very difficult thing. You know, I'm doing this, and I got to the end of it, and I literally, like, I was like, man, I don't know how to finish this. Because in these moments, man, you start to question God. You know, my wife was questioning God. You know, Lord, we're doing all this for you. And you said you had our back. And did our children be taught by God and all this stuff. And, you know, uh, I, I never saw the uh, righteous, the seed of the righteous forsaken. All these scriptures, the enemy starts to try to use against you. And so I really got to a place like, man, Lord, I'm at a loss. Lord, I don't know how to finish this sermon. I don't know how to finish this service. My wife's struggling. You know, and rightfully she's asking these questions because we don't, it doesn't seem to be like the fulfillment of the promises of God. And uh, I went to sleep that night. The funeral was the next day. And uh, at three o'clock in the morning, the Lord woke me up and it was so powerful. Papa Tom, he he was really, he was my Papa in that moment. He is, we do have the privilege to call out to God. The spirit of sonship is on us. And we can crawl out to God, put our head to his chest and say, Abba, Father, as a little child, Lord, we don't know the answer. And I did. And he answered. He woke me up at three o'clock in the morning. He said this. He said, son, he called me son. Hmm. He said, you have the privilege and the right to hear my voice because you belong to me. Hmm. See, if we don't belong to God, we can't hear God. We've got to belong to God. We've got to come into this place where... We, we allow him to be our papa. Right. 
that we accept the price that was paid, the high price of his only begotten son. He paid that price that he could produce many sons. And he said, he started speaking to me, Papa Tom. And he said, you have the privilege and the right to hear my voice. And so, you know, that he began to speak to me. I know we're about to come to a close and we can pick up, but I'll hand it over to you, Papa Tom, and I'll tell you the rest of the story, how God finished the message. One more thing I want to mention for our audience. Uh, sake is not only did you lost your daughter but your daughter was pregnant at the time so you had a double level of pain to because it wasn't just you being a father that was affected but you're also a grandfather and in that fatherliness and that grandfatherliness is a, a double you know a double attack or double hit and it makes it even that much more uh, painful to you to go through and I, I hear what you're saying about God speaking to you about being a son. And that's truly something that's really important, particularly in this day and age. Romans 8, I think it's 20, 21. We'll come back in a second and hear the rest of the story with Pastor Devin Neal. So we're back with Pastor Devin O'Neill, and he's sharing some very, very deep experiences he's had with God the Father. And God the Father was sharing with him at 3 o'clock in the morning that helped him overcome this tremendous mourning and pain he had for the loss of his, his daughter and also his granddaughter because his daughter was pregnant at that time. So Devin, continue to share with us what God showed you at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I know. There's a... Uh... She mentioned the name of the granddaughter was going to be Diamond Sky. And so, uh, pretty cool name. You know, you think about a diamond, uh, it's it's formed under pressure. You know, I, I don't know, I just, who knows how that works out, but uh, I just thought it was significant, you know. Um, we saw the Lord uh, actually begin to speak to my, my daughter, and it seemed to be prepare her for what was coming, which was very interesting it was a fulfillment of what God had told me and uh, so the Lord also told me uh, at three o'clock in the morning he said uh, did I not tell you I, that your children shall be taught by God and that was a promise that we held on to in Isaiah 54 and you know my wife was questioning what well, you said this you know and and I, and and I was you know I mean I was battling with those questions too really struggling with the pain of my wife uh, also, my uh, seven-year-old grandson, I held him in my arms, uh, and he wept in my arms for a couple of hours, just wept, just sat there and wept, and I just held him. She left an eight, eight month behind, and so uh, we actually have him also, so we've got some children to raise now. And um, he began to show me how he was speaking to her intimately and show me each occasion. He was showing me how he was talking to her and how my daughter was pursuing love. And, and that was all in the, uh, in, in the message, the, the uh, funeral it was very powerful. The trail of joy tour is, it was birthed in the church where the late prophet Bob Jones is buried in Moravian falls. But most people might not know this, but, uh, Bob Jones, he died in 1975 and in his encounter in heaven, uh, the Lord told him there was going to be a third world war and he was going to bring a billion souls out of it. And he said, I, Bob Jones didn't want to come back and he said but I need you to go touch uh, some young leaders in Kansas City, Missouri where I'm raising up a new 
a new movement that'll create a canopy of refuge in a breadbasket in a time of war and famine in America. But Bob Jones said one thing. He said that he saw the Lord ask everybody on the narrow path one question. Did you learn how to love? And uh, the Lord was saying, your, your, your daughter was learning how to love. I was teaching her. Hmm. She was pursuing it. And uh, he also said, he said, did I not tell you um, that, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He said, son, I'm always at the door knocking. Hmm. And he said, and he said, if any man would open the door, I would come in and suck with him and him with me. And he said, son, your daughter opened the door. And that's what I'm trying to show you. Mm. And so it was just a, a, in the midst of the strongest storm that we ever experienced, the Lord's word just brought peace and it brought, brought comfort and it brought faith that was an anchor in really the worst storm that we ever faced in our life. And we're not totally out of it. You know, we have to, you know, and, and I made a decision to come finish this. I literally, my, my family is in Baton Rouge right now. I'm in Miami to finish this tour because I'm not going to let the devil pull me off of what God told me to do. And the crazy thing about it is, uh, uh, Papa Tom, since we got here, three other people associated with the host church have died. Really? And so evidently the devil is terrified about us dismantling this altar in Miami. Wow. But that is going to, I'm not going to let it push me off the God's mission. But I'm, if anything, my daughter is going to be a seed, just like Jesus Christ was a seed, and it's going to produce many seeds. And I'm going to make the devil pay for what he did, and it's gonna, he's going to pay in souls in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's why I resolved myself to do the message myself and to come here and finish this work and because I, she's going to have a legacy. And there was so much stuff around the funeral. It was unbelievable. The Navajo Nation, the vice president from the last administration, Byron Lizer, he flew out there, came to my funeral. We had a, a Homa Indian that sang at the funeral and wasn't even scheduled to, just came and said, God wants me to sing this song. And then the same day she was buried, they had the USS Navajo that was dedicated, christened in Homa, Louisiana, the same day that she was she was buried. God told me to bring a shirt that was given to me by Cherokee and put it in the coffin before I went. And God was just showing me all this divine alignment. And so we don't know how it all, all works out. I don't know. You know, maybe my daughter wouldn't have been able to handle what was coming in the nation right now with a small infant. I don't know. We don't know. But I do see God's prophetic handprint all over it. And Papa Tom, my wife sang the worship songs in, in the service. And, and people from my ministry came and testified about how my daughter had a heart for the least of these. I'm talking about seven women came and talked to and told the people how they had been ministered to by my daughter mm. and that she had a heart for the least of these. And the scripture that God told me to put on there was Matthew chapter 25, where God separates the sheep from the goats. And that that was the legacy that Jordan had. I had many people tell me it was the most powerful service they ever been to. In the last song, everybody that was in the funeral home was standing on their feet with their hands lifted to Jesus. Because it was evidence, Papa Tom, of the reality of an eternal kingdom and a people that had their faith anchored in that kingdom. There was nothing on this earth that could shake us off of that. Mm -hmm. and, and then the Lord was able to speak to us in the midst of it, man. And, you know, it's just a testimony, man, that, you know, how Paul talked about that he was convinced nothing could separate us from the love of Christ. 
nor persecutions, nor trouble, nor tribulations, nor demons, nor anything could separate us from the love of Christ. And we truly experience that. And we do have joy today, although, you know, we are still mourning. But I'm telling you, I embraced the fellowship of the sharing and the sufferings of Christ. And I believe that today I know Christ better. I know Christ's heart for humanity better. And you know what? We think we're always going to have life and people are going to, we ain't. We need to ask God for goggles. And I do have goggles for eternity more than I did before. And there's a deeper level of love. There's a, and there's a deeper commitment to come into close intimacy with the sufferings of others. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the fellowship of sharing in the sufferings of Christ. I believe it's love, you know, that did not to die, die to ourselves, but to, to be moved like Christ was moved. He said, these people are harassed and without a shepherd. And he was moved by compassion and he, and he fed the 4,000. He, he saw the people in the funeral procession and he, and he wept and he rose the dead because of it. I believe if we're going to see, truly see the miracles that have been seen time to time on the planet, that Christ moved in, that we're going to have to, as, a, as, as the body of Christ, we're going to have to move into a deeper level yes. of the fellowship of the sufferings of Christ. I have a question for you, Devin. Um, yes. Obviously, the, the Lord had spoken to you at 3 o'clock in the morning and calmed your heart and your spirit. Was there anything that he revealed to you that let you have a, a sense of why he took your daughter home? Well, I kind of alluded to it a minute ago, man. Um, and I haven't even told anybody this. You know, I've kind of suggestively told it, but since you asked me, I'll just be truthful. I feel like the Lord told me that my, my daughter would not be able to go through the persecution with an eight-month-old eight infant. You know, there's a scripture you, when you see Jesus carrying the cross, and he, he's so exhausted. You know, he's whipped. His flesh is off of his back. He's been beaten. Beards ripped out of his head. He's got a crown of thorns on his head. He's carrying this cross. And he falls to the ground and drops the cross. And his mother... And uh, Mary Magdalene that he cast out many demons out of, they begin to weep and they begin to wail. And Jesus turns to him, man, and, and this is so amazing to me. And he, and he looks at him so moved with compassion, looking into the future. So it's, it's like eternity is totally eclipsing the moment he's in. And he says, do not weep for me, daughters of Jerusalem. Yes, I know this scripture. He said, for a time is coming. And they'll say, blessed is the woman whose womb is barren. Right. And he says, if they do this while the tree is green, what will they do when it's dry? Right. And he's speaking about if they do this while the Messiah is on the land, on the earth, what will they do when we get to the farthest reaches where iniquity is abounding? The church has turned apostate. Mm-hmm. He said, what will they do then? And so, you know, we can we don't have to be that prophetic to see man the signs of the times are everywhere and i feel like that's what the lord said man and, and it was a fulfillment of the promise that god told me when i'd sought the lord because my my daughter you know it didn't seem like the things that were happening supposed to happen with somebody that serves god were happening in my family specifically with my daughter and he he told me see you keep doing what you're doing i've got your back and I know it's a hard thing to understand, you know, but God cannot change people's free wills. And he sees the beginning from the end. Sure. And I feel like the Lord said that the Lord in his divine wisdom to be able to look at the end from the beginning knew that if he allowed her to stay on planet Earth, her salvation would not, it would be in jeopardy. 
Yeah. And that this was the best course of action. And now I believe the enemy was involved and tried to do it, but obviously God, you know, has to allow it, especially concerning his servants. And uh, I believe that the Lord in his sovereignty and his great love and mercy and wisdom uh, and compassion that she was not going to be able to endure the times that, that we're fixing to, to step into and especially with a small infant. And I mean, that's a whole high call with anything. Sure. You know, um, yeah. I, or anybody. I mean, who could who can say? But we, we definitely gonna have to be rooted in faith, you know. And me going through this has definitely set my anchor deeper in faith than it's ever been before. Yeah. Well, that's a tribute to what God has has done in your life and in your heart to have you be the type of person that can continue to go forward. And I always thought that scripture you quoted about when Jesus was saying that when he was on his way to the crucifixion, that he was referring to potentially 70 A.D. when uh, Jerusalem was torn down and, uh, you know, which was going to be about, you know, another generation ahead of him and he'd no longer be there. And uh, right now, I think that we Lord, the uh, earth is being restrained because of the Christians that are here right now yeah. and there's yeah. a there's a there, we are we are the resistance to what the enemy mm-hmm. wants to do and i do believe god's going to move very significantly right now but uh in particular this month i think we're going to, to see a lot of things happen but uh yeah. the um <clears throat> the effects of that eventually will be the rapture and when the rapture is coming we're no longer going to be here and then we'll find ourselves the earth is going to find ourselves in a very much of a worse predicament than they are right now. So uh, with that, we'll be back in uh, another moment and uh, share some more thoughts about how we can overcome offense. We're back with Pastor Devin O'Neill. And Devin, I think you and I share a similar cultural background in that I I suspect you're Irish. Is that true? I am. Yeah. I am Irish. I come from an Irish Catholic family, and one of the things I've always remembered growing up in Long Island, New York, was in the Irish community, uh, if you offended somebody, you know, they really stuck it to you. They remembered it and had always bore a grudge. And it would seem like in that community, where they, they, it was hard for them to really release grudges. They would keep grudges for 30, 40, 50 years. Like the rest of their life, they have a grudge against you because of something that you did to offend them. <coughs> and oftentimes, <coughs> the enemy will use our expectations of something happening. It doesn't turn out like we expected it to be. And then all of a sudden, we become offended. And uh, the enemy works with that process of lying to us creating us to have fears on certain things, and then uh, when things don't turn out the way we expect it to, to be, we get offended, and, and that separates us from each other, and also separates us from God. Because uh, God could do things that we didn't expect, and we could get offended against Him. And you were just yeah. shared with us a horrendous experience that you had to go through, and have been going through, and still going through, but you're not going to bear offense. So can you speak to this issue of the enemy's a trap to try to trap people into offenses and how that separates us not only from each other but also from God himself 
And I'll give you an example yeah. of my life. There's two, two things happened. I'll, I'll share I had with somebody you. Call, call me. Um, yeah, I can. Man. Well, so I read the scriptures in the Bible, in Matthew chapter 24, and it talked about, you know, uh, because of the increase of, of iniquity and wickedness, that the love of most would grow cold and many would turn away from the faith. And, uh, you know, it seems to be one of the um, um, more serious warnings in the Bible because it says most, the love of most will grow cold. And it says, and many will turn away from the faith. So there's this danger of becoming offended. You know, if you expect something to go a certain way and it doesn't go that way or whatever the case may be, um, you go through something, you got hurt or you went through some trauma and then you harden your heart. The danger of that is you could turn away from the faith because to be to turn away from the faith is to be in the faith. And I personally experienced myself that um, when I listened to the accusations of the devil, that when I took that offense on, all I could hear was the devil. And I went through this thing where I was really connected to God, had this unbelievable joy, this ability to hear God, this great peace. And then I moved from that place to being in a place of like torment and anxiousness and worry and like hate in my heart. And God walked me through this process. And, and I asked associate pastor, this was young in my salvation. I said, uh, how do you know if, if it's God or if it's the devil speaking to you? And he said, well, God is love. And if it doesn't line up with love, it's not God. And I said, well, how do I know what that is? And he said, well, a good description is in 1 Corinthians uh, 13, verses 4 through 8. And, he's, and so I, I went to it, and I began to go through the, the list of things that it said love was, these characteristics of love. And um, when I got to the one that says love keeps no record of wrongs, there you I go. said in my heart, mm -hmm. that's not God. Right. And when I said that, God immediately spoke to me, and he said, even if she did, what are you going to do? What you want to do and keep a record of wrongs or, or, or want to, uh, um, you know, kill somebody or whatever else that you're angry about. Mm -hmm. Are you going to do what I said to do and forgive and love? Mm -hmm. yeah. And I realized at that point I had the ability to make a choice. Absolutely. And that it was up to me if I wanted to keep my joy, my rest, my peace, my connection with God. But what I noticed was it separated me from God. So today, for a long time, and this is why I was able to walk through this situation, I have made a choice. I will not be offended to God because I knew what the results was. I right. knew what the wage was, you know. And there's an, another scripture in the parable of the unmerciful servant at the end where the one guy that's forgiven of a large debt and then he chokes his brother that owes him ten dollars and he and then the master finds out he says throw him into the the jail cell and turn him over to the tormentors until he pays the last penny what i experienced papa tom when i had that tormented mm -hmm. voices that were not god right were speaking to me and they were tormenting me and so i remember that past thing and I've just made a choice because I know I have. I, I've been given the God-given right to make a choice. That's why love is a choice. And then once you make that choice, God then has to come in and empower you to do it. And he begins to personally teach you how to do it. Yeah. That's why Jesus asked, um, you know, everybody in heaven, did you learn how to love? Because God, the Holy Spirit, that's his mission. That's his mandate. He's trying to teach us how to love. And, and love, you know, is it's very committed. Agape love 
you know, you look at the best definition of love is in First John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And so forgiveness is literally deciding to die to yourself. Yep. Birthed out of faith and love for God. You know, so, I was just uh, listening to uh, a commentary on Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. And uh, Viktor Frankl was a Jewish psycho psychoanalyst, I believe, and he was in the um, Holocaust and uh, the death camps. And uh, he wrote this book and he realized that the Nazis could take control over every aspect of their lives. But the one thing they couldn't take control of was their um, responses. So um, whatever you do to somebody, whatever the devil tries to do, he can't control our responses. And that's what God has left us to. And we, can, we don't have to react to offenses. We can choose not to react to offenses. Unfortunately, in many instances, not only does the enemy try to get us to react to when we get offended, but we'll also put us in a position, he'll put us in a position, to react when, to be offended for somebody else. Yes. I just went through two instances where it was reported to me that two people in the church that I currently attend were offended by me, by something I said uh, in two different situations, two, one, two different like home group meetings. And um, I said something to a party. It was like the Lord put it on my heart. And I spoke to this older woman uh, about her life. And it was pretty personal. And she received it completely. Well, somebody else overhearing what I was saying was offended by what I said, and yet the person I said it to received it entirely because it was true. Uh, yeah. And it had a prophetic nature to it, but that's aside. The second part was a young couple uh, who uh, had gotten uh, pregnant, and they weren't married yet. And they described that they had become pregnant. And I said, well, you know, if you hadn't gone to sleep with each other, that wouldn't have happened, right? Which is true. <laughs> uh, and I was I did not say in a condemning way. I, I totally accepted what they were doing and so forth. And they had made the decision they were going to get married. It was going to be in, you know, two or three months later. And so I just blessed them and so forth. But someone else was offended overhearing me say that, that you know, had you not gone to sleep with together that wouldn't have happened they received it because they knew it was true you know if they hadn't have made that decision they would have got pregnant i'm not saying in a condemnatory way but someone else was offended they said we're not going to come back to the group anymore you see they're cutting themselves off because yeah, i right. made a comment and yet the in both instances the person i spoke to was not offended but someone else overhearing i said well at least you shouldn't have said it in a public place and yet it was in a public environment that they opened up that they were pregnant before you could tell, you know, physically. So I, I only bring that up by, by virtue of, the, uh, of the, the value of learning from what the enemy's tactics are to separate us uh, whenever we do take offense, whether we're taking the offense because of some act that was done for us or against us or an act that was done uh, you know, to someone else, and all of a sudden we get offended for that. You know, I, I, as I search the scriptures, I don't find any place where Jesus was actually offended. He was never offended. No, he, and and he, he, can't, he can't be offended. He, he knew who he was. 
He knew, no matter what the Pharisees said to him, what anybody ever said to him, he didn't care. He knew exactly what he was. So you can't make me offended. I cannot be offended. He was like bulletproof against offense because he knew what the truth was. And to the extent that we understand our calling and destiny, as you mentioned before, you're calling as a son of God. To the extent that you understand and walk in being a son of God, what can somebody say to you that would take you down off of that position or that that reality, that truth. Nothing. There's nothing you can say that if, if, once you get down to it. Uh, the enemy will try to trap you into, into thinking something bad about yourself. But um, the Lord, when he speaks to his, uh, his sons, that, that the relationship they, that we have with him is so, uh, so close and so intense that the enemy can't get into that because it's a spiritual connection. Our spirits are connected and the enemy can't speak to our spirits. He can only speak to our minds, or, you know, our, our mind, will, and emotions, our souls. He tries to attack us in our souls. He can't get to our spirits. But a lot of times we let them in. We let them into our souls and that affects our spirits. So it has a, you can't do it directly, but indirectly it affects us. I also yeah, mentioned... They, what you're saying is actually one of the things that we try to guard uh, against with uh, the, the Trail of Joy tour. You know, as we speak, you know, there, the Native American element, there is like a legal right and a root because of that sin, and, and there's an aspect of that. But when talking about uh, a wrong, you know, or, or atrocities that were really, really bad, and, and they were unjust, um, we always try to give a disclaimer that you have to understand that we always have to forgive because if we don't forgive, it's like drinking poison and thinking it's going to kill somebody else. It's not going to. Mm -hmm. And that's the mode of operation of the enemy. You know, you talk about that you were talking and somebody overheard it. What what happens is the devil runs with it. And sure. he's like, oh, this is what it means. And because it's not fully illuminated, they didn't, they didn't talk to you. They really don't know the heart behind it. And the enemy tries to twist it and speak about it because he's always looking for somebody he can devour. And that's how he takes people captive. I'm reminded of the scripture. It says the Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. And those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. And they will escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Right. And that's what we have to understand in spiritual warfare. If you take that record of wrongs in with you, it's a it's a trap. It's the bait of Satan. If you take it, you he literally takes you captive. He starts manifesting his will on planet Earth. And that's what you saw, you know, the media uh, just trumpeting this race card. They're race baiting people. And it's literally, it's literally, that's how the enemy does it. He throws that piece out there. If you take it, then he takes you captive. And that's his agenda to divide us. Sure. We need to be unified. That's that's part of the war we're in. That if we do, we take the bait of Satan, as you mentioned in that book, which I've also read, by the way, by John Bevere, it uh, takes us away from a relationship with God and with each other. We'll be back in a moment. We're back with Devin O'Neill. We're going to discuss the issue of offenses, and I want to take a slightly different approach. Uh, with this last segment we're discussing because it's the role of government and how government, by um, divine purpose, government is designed by God to protect innocent people from evil. 
another word for evil, with that which is not right. And when you have government actually instituting things, changing our language, and, and promoting, promoting policies that cause even more offenses. In a moment, we'll talk about the race card and those things like that. But this whole concept of politically correct uh, language is causing people to be offended by words because they don't want us to use the words that we've been accustomed to using before. I wrote a list of uh, 40 different words. I'll only use a couple of them to give an example. Um, for many years, we would use the word forefathers. But now, it's not politically correct to use the word forefathers. We're supposed to say ancestors. Instead of man-made, we're supposed to use the word artificial. Instead of saying the man on the street, we're supposed to say the average person. Instead of the best man for the job, it's the best person for the job. Instead of businessman, we say business person. Instead of chairman, we say chairperson. Instead of right-hand man, we say chief assistant. Are you getting my drift here? How many times you're talking when the word man is used, sportsmanship. You're not supposed to use sportsmanship because of the word man in it. It's supposed to say fairness. fairness. Instead of fireman, it's firefighter. Um, all these different words. Instead of manpower, you say human resource. Instead of mankind, you say humanity. Uh, instead of postman, it's mail carrier. Um, instead of manager, Manageress, you see, manager. Oh, that's an odd one. Uh, salesman, salesperson. Instead of taxman, it's tax officer. Instead of manhole, utility hole. All these words that are coming out, which you're trying to take men, and particularly fathers, out of the picture and twist the words into saying those things. Transgender, we've talked about this before, using with the pronouns. Everybody's supposed to be offended if you a man thinks he's a woman and you call him with a male pronoun. That's You're supposed to get offended for that. Um, Black Lives Matter is a terminology of a slogan that you're not you're supposed to be offended if somebody says all lives matter. You know, uh, this twisting of these things that are going on to create offenses so that we will get angry and upset with each other to divide and conquer us. So could you speak to that, uh, Pastor Devin? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you know. The, the government and, and the media both have been weaponized against the people. In my opinion, they've become an enemy of the people. And, uh, you know, the Declaration of Independence says, you know, when any government uh, is not in the rightful role of protecting the people, but they start to try to harm the people, it becomes the duty and the right of the people to throw off such guards. And, um, you know, but this has been a, a long process of the enemy. Uh, to do that and uh, you know the fact I think the best way to do it is what you're doing Papa Tom is, is to expose it you know people perish for a lack of knowledge some people don't realize that's what's being done but the design it's actually witchcraft uh, and what they're designing to do is to manipulate the people to control the people the, a couple of interesting facts about uh, media the media is the Latin plural word for media so you look at these things, you look at television, tell-a-vision. It, it's not telling you God's vision, it's telling you somebody else's yeah, vision. vision the way you see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, programming. Think about programming, like program a computer. They're actually programming you, okay? Uh, there's there's another one, channel, channeling. Those are, These are like witchcraft terms. And so, you know, there's an enemy 
of God and the enemy of, of the people that has slowly worked into the fabric of the United States of America. Our Bill of Rights actually protect the media because the media was uh, originally intended to be a tool to inform the people where they would know if the government was doing something wrong. Because at the end of the day, this is another thing people don't realize, is that the government really is the people. In America, it's we the people. Mm -hmm. And so we have public servants. And if we don't hold our governing officials accountable, we actually are complicit in it. Mm -hmm. But see, the thing, the only way to hold them accountable is through unity. That's why they're working overtime. That's why the devil works overtime to divide us. Because... You know, you know, the pre, uh, the Pledge of Allegiance says that uh, one nation under God, indivisible, okay? United we stand, divided we fall. The, the name, United States of America. Our founders, all the way back to the Mayflower Compact, the Mayflower Compact was made because people of God, the, the pilgrims, knew they were about to hit the coast in a different area and their contract was void. There was talk of mutiny on the ship. They knew if they hit the coast, disunified, the scripture said, every kingdom or household divided against itself will be ruined or destroyed. So they they made the Mayflower Compact to bring unity back. And that's what we need to do. And so what you're doing, Papa Tom, to tell people, and I actually have a close friend of mine that uh, had a vision of when the Christians took over the media, it would cause revival. So I commend what you're doing. I just encourage other Christians to get involved in, in taking over the airwaves and combating to get the right message out there um, because we need God controlling uh, the message that's going out there. We don't need satanic messages going out there. But the thing is, is we've got to become in, in unity because this is where God commands his blessing on unity. It's Psalms 133, and you talk about Second uh, Chronicles 7, uh, 14. It talks about getting in the presence of God, turning from our evil ways. Then God will hear. What it's talking about is turning from our selfishness, which causes quarrels and fights among us, that divides us, and returning back to love, which then uh, fosters a culture of unity, common unity, community, that's what that word means, in a common union through Jesus Christ in love for one another. See, when I'm loving you, you want to be around me. Mm-hmm. If I'm hateful towards you, you don't want to be around me. And so when we need to be unified. And we need to understand what the true, we, we, the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So Christians should really know this. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities of powers and spiritual works of darkness in high places. And so we have spiritual entities that are trying to divide us, but the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, even Jesus Christ came to destroy the wall of hostility to divide the people. Right. And in him, there's neither Greek nor Jew nor male nor female. They're all one in Christ Jesus. And so if we come together, we can hold our 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 public servants. That's what they are. Public servants accountable. But if we're not unified, we can't. And that's why the enemy is working overtime to divide us. When we realize we have the same enemy, guys, and that we need one another to defeat our common enemy. And I don't know about you, but I mean, we're out here. We've got. 36 people traveling in mobile homes for over uh, seven months. One family's got 10 kids in their mobile home. This is an unbelievable level of sacrifice. I've never seen a more committed or sacrificial group in my entire life. I didn't tell you, I don't know if I told you this, Papa Tom, but do you know my whole team drove 12 hours and surprised me at the Yeah, you did tell me that, yeah. I mean, me and my wife, well, this is what the true body of Christ is about. But 
we're doing that to try to trumpet a message that can actually save and secure the liberty for our children and for your children. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's, we can't have a legacy that we lost liberty on our watch, but you know what? We can't do it by ourselves. We're trumpeting a message what, that is the solution, but it, we got to come together and we've got to course correct as Americans, as we, the people course, correct. What's going to take responsibility for what's going on in our nation so there can be a great awakening, there can be reformation, there can be course correction. We can stay in this good land and the blessing of God would come on our land again. And so, uh, you know, I just, that's yeah. what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Exactly right. Um, I listened to a uh, podcast by uh, Sean Boltz, actually, was um, a prophet out of California, was speaking, um, showing a clip that uh, he had uh, taken out from Alex Jones, of all people. Alex Jones was talking to Joe Rogan, and Alex Jones mentioned to Joe Rogan that he was in a meeting, and he had several friends of his meeting. That doesn't happen to all people, but in his particular case, 20 years before, uh, that if a person is going to be given a TV show, before they're given a TV contract for a TV show, or a, a record label, a music contract, that they bring him into the room and they require them to denounce Jesus Christ and to accept Lucifer as their Lord and Master. And to follow the Luc- if they're willing to follow the Luciferian doctrine, then they get the TV show or then they get the music contract. Oh. Now, it's not to say that happens to everybody, but it gives you a clear example. It just happens in enough times that you can see that one of the names of Satan is the prince of the power of the air and that this is a reality. And this, this is, uh, we are having these shows uh, on the air and secular radio shows and podcasts and so forth, but we're bringing forth a biblical truth for purely, not even just for Christians, it's just for people to live their lives, just for people to follow the word of God because the word of God is good for them. And we can't live our lives without it. We can't live our lives without a relationship with God. And otherwise, we pinball through life and, and all we react to different fears that we have. And we're basically controlled by evil. And we're trying to put an end to that. Yes. Yes. Amen. Uh, us too. And you know what? The best way to just destroy evil is to put the truth out there. Amen. Uh, light dispels darkness. The devil cannot operate in the light. And so the best way is just to expose what he's doing. The Bible says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, you know, and to commend yourself to every man's conscience. Uh, And we do that by setting forth the truth plainly. And so, and that's what we're doing on every level, you know, and uh, we do uh, four grassroots workshops, reclaiming education, reclaiming family, disciple making movement trainings, shepherd sheriff's conference, along with our, our revival, so we're doing that at every level. Well, welcome to our audience and uh, offer our audience to follow uh, Facebook.com, Papa Tom's Tales. I have a lot of things I'm putting on there. I'm just recently going on to Rumble, um, the uh, the Father's Heart on Rumble, and uh, our podcast of the Father's Heart uh, by Papa Tom, and the Father's Heart Media.com are different places where. Um, you can contact us. And Devin, where can people contact with you real quickly? Uh, trailofjoytour.com. That's trailofjoytour.com. If you want to call me personally, 225-YES-1234. 
two, two, five. Yes. One, two, three, four. Cause God's just looking for your yes. And he'll do the rest. Well, that's a great saying. So you thank you for being with us.